Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. happening folks guess what you're listening to the element podcast and it is like hunting season man golly i don't think so i don't think so but it almost is so i'm gonna say it is you know like we're actually going antelope hunting next week super stoked about that but it is time to start zoning in on the deer stuff and if you haven't it's also time to start kind of getting your gear lined out uh, the Element Podcast is brought to you by First Light Gear. Go to firstlight.com and you can find out all kinds of stuff about the stuff you might need for the early season. Might I suggest the Trace system. We're going to be wearing a lot of that with our antelope hunt that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, and we've been kind of sitting around thinking and talking about uh, the way we're going to approach this thing because it's a new deal for us, right? Hunting antelope, especially, they're going to be mostly on the ground from what we understand. And it kind of relates back to, of course, deer hunting for us. As weird as it sounds, Tyler and I can be outside picking cucumbers and zucchinis and just uh, find a way to relate it back to deer, right? So uh, (laughs) We just put it in the same video back in the day. That's it, man. (laughs) (laughs) We've been looking at some old element videos. So if you've been around since Sheds and Beds, we appreciate you. Actually, we apologize to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sticking through the hard times. Mm. Uh, So today we're going to talk about some of our biggest mess-ups, our biggest mistakes, deer hunting whitetail from the ground, from a tree, with bow in hand. I don't know. You might have some gun stuff on yours. I haven't looked at your list. It makes it kind of fun if we don't know what each other is going to talk about here. But we're going to talk a lot about the stuff that we've done wrong and the lessons that we have learned to circumvent that to maybe get just a little bit better at this thing we love doing. And Tyler, I will just go ahead and say, As I went through my list, I went chronological over the past five years or so, um, I do believe uh, this is trying to be pragmatic, not just like the way I feel, right? But it looks like I got a little bit better 
which is kind of what we want to do, That's right? Good, like I, I, I had a lot of dumb mistakes. I had many to choose from, <clears throat> from like the uh, the twenty teens, you know. But as we got into the twenty twenties, uh, those kind of got to tighten up a bit. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of thankful. Uh, I'm sure this year will remind me that I still have a lot to learn. Yeah, last year reminded me. So. <laughs> good. I had lo- I have lots of things to choose from too, and I've probably forgotten the worst mistakes. But there are mistakes on this list. Um, regardless so what do you think just looking after going through your list and adding some overall what's your what situation is tough for you um uh, man that's a good question if we it might be hard to do an overarching thing because we're i tried to i try to have some diversity in my mistakes here um so that's a hard one looking through my mistakes um yeah i don't know well good it's i'm just, glad you mess up in a lot of different ways yeah yeah there's there's no like i don't know if there's a you know this is a thing for me yeah it's just like these are thing mistakes have made through through the years you know yeah i think that um like encounters seem to not be too much of an issue for me but getting something killed with archery equipment is where the mistake usually happens Mm -hmm. like closing that distance to to get in archery range and to go ahead and get a shot off seems to be a difficult thing so yep uh why don't you tell us we're going to go chronological here, mm-hmm. all right? And the format is, guys, we're going to talk about the situation. We're going to talk about the hunt itself. We're going to talk about the thing we messed up, the thing we did wrong, our mistakes. And then we're going to talk about the lessons learned from that and how we circumvented that in the future to maybe try to not be so dumb. Uh, can I tell this in a f- kind of a fluid story, or do I we want to address to. each thing? No, okay. I, I just tell them that okay. so that we know just kind of what they can uh, – garner yeah from our story okay so um kansas 2018 we were hunting a property that we had permission to hunt that was um a really cool property for for where we hunt it had cover which is something we don't have a ton of it had food which is something we don't have a ton of uh, options on and it also had uh, some of the stuff that we do normally hunt, which is a little more like kind of grassland type of habitat, right? It had a lot of different edge habitat and these kind of things. Well, we we got permission on this thing, um, and, you know, I don't know how we did it. I think it was like 400, it was four or 500 acres. And it was a really cool place. So it had a shelter belt that uh, went east and west on it. And that was kind of the main piece of cover that we typically tried to hunt. And uh, the first time we ever went walking down the edge of that shelter belt, there's corn on the north side of it. We found like two sheds. You found like two sheds walking in. It was in the dark. (laughs) Yeah. When I found those. And and one was like an old gnarly looking buck with a weird like pedicle or something. It was a really cool little shed. But um, we thought, oh, this thing hasn't been hunted in forever because these are just right here on the edge of this cornfield. There's going to be some good bucks around. This is going to be awesome. Well, on the shelter belt on the north side, if you're watching on video, you, I'll kind of try to draw this out for you with my hands. So on the north side was all the main trees that were planted originally in that shelter belt that were tall. And, and then, then south of that for like probably 60 or 70 yards was a lot of like tumbleweed, brush extra hackberries and elms that were growing up you know that had come from seed and you know all is like little brush and and all the kind of junk in the junkyard there from the homestead that was nearby and and so it was like brushy on the south side of that um but there was a, a couple of trees a cedar tree that was really big that i know i could have hung in uh kind of south of me well so i start thinking about 
where I'm going to hunt this morning on the shelter belt. And we're both hunting the property, but we're hunting different areas. And uh, as I think about it, we've got a north wind. It's going to be really crisp and cold this morning. It's not going to really, really be blowing much, but it's just enough to, to be considered a north wind and actually matter. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to sit on one of them trees on the north side, and I'm going to try to have good shots out to the corn. And that's my main the corn was cut, but that was my main consideration. These deer are going to come up and down this thing because the sheds are there, right? Who cares? And I had thought about this, but who cares that the wind is blowing to the south side of this shelter belt? Well, I see a deer enter the shelter belt on the other end, and lo and behold, like 15 minutes later, this deer comes down the shelter belt behind me at like 60 yards, maybe not even. By the time he would have gotten straight south of me and almost got my wind, he'd probably been like 40 40 yards or so right but there's brush everywhere in the way and he's getting to where he's about to be downwind of me so I give him a little grunt and he ends up coming uh, or maybe I like I think I actually just kind of barely touched the horns again it was real quiet and he comes working towards me but then decides to work downwind before I could get a shot of him he got to probably 20 yards mm-hmm. uh he, he smells me and he and he gets out of there and I thought man if I would just sat in that cedar tree where I knew they should have been cruising. It's logical to think they're cruising that in that shelter belt, in the cover, smelling all that stuff. He ain't really worried about corn in November. And so basically, um, instead of just wanting to see stuff and shoot one in a cornfield like they see on TV, I, I went, you know, I, that's what I went with, but I should have gone with the more practical and logical idea that really you have to hunt the trail from the tree not the one that lets you see the best or whatever because seeing bucks like we talked about just a second ago is awesome and it's fun but killing them is a different story so that's uh that's the lesson i learned is like just take your take your take your logic and hunt that instead of hunting what you really want to hunt or what you want to see sometimes Mm -hmm. so 2018 was also a year of a lot of learning for me it was my first year to really hunt out of state so uh, a lot of things changed and I've hunted on the ground for deer a decent amount in my life, but it's kind of always been like maybe ground blind setups or kind of sit and wait type stuff. And I'd never done the run and gun type thing very much. Uh, and we were hunting a piece of public ground that really, uh, there wasn't a tree to hang in on that place. It so. was all just rolling uh, CRP grass. And um, we're learning as we go out there. It was a new place for us. Um, and, um, there was some deer around. It was a pretty exciting place to hunt. And uh, I didn't know that much about calling deer at that point in time either. I um, had rattled in deer in Texas, South Texas stuff, you know. But that's just, I don't know. It's like when you play the South Texas game, you're really just doing the, there's so many deer out here, I'm going to do something, and maybe one of them will come over here. Mm-hmm. Whereas out there, we actually saw this buck uh, at like, I don't know, we saw him from a long ways off, half mile probably. He came from this homestead over there where there's some big old cedar trees in Winrow and came down and worked a scrape at like, I don't know, 300 yards from us or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we rattled to him, and he threw his head up and like just came in just on string. It was really exciting. And at that point in my life, to be honest – it was scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was just not used to that. And it, the biggest deer I've ever drawn my bow back on at that point in my life, he, he wasn't like a monster antler-wise, but he was a mature buck, you know, at least like a four-year-old deer in the Midwest, a huge body. And um, it was cold, cold, cold that morning. We were set up in, like, just 
this little, I don't know, there's like a levee or something there that had some taller grass or like forby stuff in it. And we are just trying to hide in, just in the bald open pretty much. And um, uh, <clears throat> I drew my bow back on this deer and asked Tyler what the range was. And I don't know if we hadn't really planned it out or whatever, but you really shouldn't have been responsible for the range in that situation. Well, but I, it was like I, a, I also hadn't been practicing my voice to text where you tell them, <laughs> What, ex- what punctuation you want at the end of it, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, I I think that it was just like a, we couldn't believe it was sort of working, so I was unprepared for the situation. And uh, I was like, hey, how far? Or what's the range? And you said like 36? Like you kind of like <laughs> had one of those at the end of it. And I was just like, okay, sounds good. And I don't even know for sure if the range mattered that much or not because um, I settled my pin Everything felt really good. I released the arrow, and then about halfway there, I see my arrow just go whoa, 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 and just boomerang through the air, except it didn't come back. It just flew. And then that deer runs off because he didn't know what just happened. I mean, he's not hurt at all. Uh, I, like, knock another arrow and kind of get up on my knees, and he looks back. Tyler Snort wheezes at him, and he just knows that we're uh, not his friend anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, he leaves out, and – that was a tough lesson to learn because I just kind of realized, like, man, it was uh, just not going to go easy for me uh, out there on the ground. Like, that's when we started figuring out that the ground hunting thing was tough. And I also learned at that point in time, is like my first venture into, hey, maybe I shouldn't shoot these really lightweight arrows with mechanicals because that's essentially what happened. My arrow's pretty lightweight. I was shooting a, a Rage, and uh, it hung a piece of grass. I mean, just a little blade of grass, and it just threw my arrow just – in a tailspin pretty much and so uh to fix that in the future we just really worked on our craft on the ground hunting thing trying to figure out how to actually do that and kill deer and then i also uh went down the rabbit hole of all the foc heavy arrow stuff <clears throat> and uh ended up now in a pretty good place on that stuff i believe so yeah. uh it, it's gone well since you know then. one thing i just realized is that's the pretty close to the same setup that you had when you were successful on the ground this year as far as same direction that the buck came in same sun was at the same kind of Mm -hmm. what we didn't realize at the time is that deer probably couldn't see us at all probably we should have just let him keep coming Mm -hmm. but it was you're spooked you're just like there's no cover here he's like 35 yeah it's like we gotta get a shot on this thing he's in the he's in you know and in all honesty like he's in the same situation as that buck this year where you were able to draw and still, like, make that deer comfortable enough to keep coming with, like, mm-hmm. a snort wheeze and just, you know, situation that also – it's another lesson that I, I feel like I just kind of hit me. It's like, man, that's a good lesson. You're right. It is too. the same scenario. It's kind of <laughs> weird, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, the next year, I drew the old famed Iowa tag. Ooh, good for you. Uh, and this is what this was in one of the good units in Iowa, not just Iowa, but like you know one of the better units um, for for us as well for anybody. But you know for a non-resident, it took years to draw. And um, I was really excited about this thing. So I got I actually have a couple of stories from my my time there in Iowa because it's a time when there's like pretty immense pressure because I've spent all of my money on this tag. I don't have any money. I barely can afford to even get up there. Uh, with gas and all that um, and I 
potentially have a chance to shoot the biggest buck ever and video it right like it's in it could be important to our youtube channel and therefore important to maybe potentially me one day actually being able to tell people with reality that i live as a uh, bow hunter that's my career you know <laughs> or whatever um, so that was a huge a huge moment in time right that season with that tag so i go up there with kc um and we had um we had we decided to go the last week of October because we wanted to beat the November rush up there, right? We're gonna hunt a lot of public, but we had uh, been put in touch with a guy who um, <clears throat> worked in agriculture and knew a lot of the farmers. So we get to hunt some private, and basically the scenario here is um, we see a buck probably halfway through the hunt. That's a like stud. He's not he's not a high scorer. I feel like that deer's like one forty like low 140s to low 150s maybe type of deer he's kind of had a weird antler it's but hard to tell too because those iowa deer are just so big right and he was yeah. that's the thing is he was a square body just mature big deer that just didn't quite have the the rack that maybe iowa people are going up there for us so maybe he's just you know six years old and nobody wants to shoot him right but essentially we find this deer and we over the course of a couple of days figure out that he's he's bedding in this drainage that's like topping out in the middle of a gigantic property so it's actually kind of hard to get to because there's nowhere to park it's really open bean fields and stuff like that anywhere close to this place so you have to walk a long way and people just don't want to walk sometimes you know so even even if there was pressure around this is this is a very um, it's a remote area, essentially, um, even though you wouldn't think of it that way, looking at it on a map. So we go and figure out that this deer's, we get closer and closer to him. One afternoon, actually, I think it was like the afternoon before, KC and I are set up pretty close to where we think he's bedded. And he he and another big buck come out, both of which I would have shot. Mm. And there's a doe that's hot with them, and they start to kind of chasing around and just posturing towards each other. October 29th. Is that the day? Yep. Yep. And so they... They uh, end up, the big buck that I'm, you know, the bigger of the two, he kind of just chases this buck off, and the doe kind of gets weird and starts kind of hustling down towards us. And there's, like, a faint trail at, like, 25 yards. I mean, it's this is fixing the – she's coming, right? And all of a sudden, he just turns and starts walking to her, and then he kind of giddies up a little bit, right? They're fixing to do this thing, and it is wide open. We got shots. We're going to have video. Like, everything's going to be good, right? And uh, he ends up uh, turning out. She turns out and goes – and get to a place I didn't have a shot instead of going down that trail. And then, so the next day we didn't bug, we didn't mess anything up. So the next day, uh, we end up, uh, going back in there and trying to do the same thing in the afternoon. It starts snowing and we get in there and I'm, I, I don't know that we have permission to cut any limbs or anything, even though it is private. So I just start tying stuff with all, I got a bunch of, uh, paracord, well, I'm cheap. I don't have any money, so I'm not cutting this paracord up. I'm just trying to, like, use the tag ends to tie all these branches and give me some shots on all this stuff, right? Um, wind was blowing decent, but long story short, uh, we call the bedded buck in with all the racket that we were making, uh, getting dressed, and I'm putting on my last jacket mm. in case he just, like, boom, hand on my shoulder, like, hold on, and and I look up, Buck is basically turning around and bounding off. At, we like, had 25 him yards. Oh, he's so close, and – uh, probably had ended up, you know, within 50 or 60 yards of his bed. So I guess, you know, um, the, the, the thought there is the lesson learned, the solution is that, you know, when you're setting up on a bedded buck, 
got to be super quiet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it sounds obvious, but um, even in like the wind and the snow and stuff, you know, we felt like we had some cover. We kind of got lazy towards the end of that setup, and or I did, and I was being just too loud, and I called the buck in. You know, it it's happened to be adv- advantageous for you before, and probably for me at some point too. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year in Oklahoma, you know, but like. Uh, overall, you usually call them in and they catch you moving around. Yeah, I can't <laughs> so. imagine how many of them we don't see when yeah. we do that. I know, you know? man. Like, I know. We just so happened to – I glanced that direction and saw him turning and running. Oh, yeah. So, like, we were fixing to not even see him. Oh, yeah. And just sit there all evening and mm-hmm. just false hope. Yeah, just be crying. <coughs> feed, mm-hmm. I was crying anyway. tarts to uh, possums. That was the highlight of that evening. I well, guess. we did see that big seven point. Yeah. Oh, he was cool. Shot. Yeah, yep. I was hoping you did, but you didn't. I'm we glad to, you didn't. We had to go home the next day. Yeah, so, so it looks like we're going to learn a little bit more about Iowa mm-hmm. here in just a minute. I also have some 2019 stuff. We're going to back it up a few months, though, because that was the year I drew that awesome New Mexico elk tag. Mm. And if you are watching this, there's a high likelihood you've seen the video because it's, you know, one of our original, like, very popular videos. Um, if you haven't, you got to watch it. It's, I mean uh, – it has the most pristine, beautiful elk bugle footage that you probably have ever seen in a video. <laughs> Insane. So I'll tell you a little bit of how we got in that situation. Tyler and I are way back in the backcountry. We don't have a clue what we're doing. We go in here. We're setting Especially up, me. Setting up a camp, right? Uh, and we're hearing all these bugles up on top of the hill. And we're like, should we go hunt those? And, and we're like, yeah, we probably should go, go after those, you know? Yep. And uh, so we – this whole time, too, I'm, like, trying to figure out what's a shooter in this unit because, I don't know, it's like a coveted unit, you know. I don't know what a, a big elk looks like. And I did a lot of research and all, but still, the whole time that's on my mind, I was like, is this a deer, uh, elk I need to be shooting? Anyways, we're hiking up, and uh, we don't do a lot of calling, actually. We're just kind of doing, like, the whole spot and stalk thing, try to get in close on them and try to get a shot, which actually is a really good tactic. Um, but we get fairly close. We see just like a elk rut fest going on, which was awesome. There was like apparently two bulls. There's a lot of bugling going on. We can see a cow. We see this giant bull run down the hill where we can't see him, and we hear and there's like this big elk fight uh, that we don't get to see. And then he runs back up the hill to come back to his cow. She trots off, and uh, we're like kind of caught out in the open at this point in time. I don't know if we were trying to move we to were. get we were like, trying to move a little bit better spot. Mm-hmm. And um, Tyler is like straight up in the open, like as <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine how you're feeling back there. Right? Mm. Uh, he's got a camera and a two-dimensional decoy. I'm. I, I happen little... to be a three-dimensional guy, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll find out later on. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and he's filming, so he's like operating, doing a whole lot of stuff, right? And I'm a hunter, and I've got some brush around me, but. I don't really think about our situation. I just think about that elk's going the wrong way. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. i got to bring him back here. So I give him a little, just a little cow call, and it's enough to turn him, and here he comes. He's coming back. And uh, I've got some cover around me. I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know what you look like back here. But he comes out and kind of comes down in front of me and, like, comes up this little rise and just kind of stops. He probably was seeing both of our heads sticking up there at that point in time. But I come to full draw when you should. And if you've watched the video, you're probably screaming, shoot, 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 because it's just like the perfect frontal shot on an elk. It's a, it's, he's at 20 yards for me, 25 from Tyler, and he's just straight on looking at us. And uh, I have oak brush in front of me to where all I can see is like this elk's chin and up. So all I can really see is the stuff you can't shoot. Uh, and I 
in that moment was just like, okay, I'm just going to hold, and he's going to move, and uh, and I'm going to be able to get a broadside shot. No, there's a cow that if he'd have gone to the cow, the only cow in there. Yeah, she's just on our left. Yeah, like, real. He would have come right through opening broadside. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He uh, stood there <laughs> for three minutes and some change uh, because he bugled at about two thirty while I'm still at full draw, and then goes from like fairly calm to just I'm gonna leave just runs and I have no shot so I have to let down I'm rattled I'm sad uh as I can be in that situation Tyler tell you like I don't really get down until after the moment and believe me that happened um (laughs) but I am rattled right I'm like crap it didn't happen so I move up we kind of run up the hill another 20 or 30 yards and I do get another opportunity at this elk I at that point in time was shooting a seven pin sight so if you're looking at home it looks like this or backwards of that you've gone very much the other way (laughs) there we go yeah i've gone very much the way i got that many pins right um that i'm looking at as i go full draw and i have like just a short window to shoot this thing through the 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 junipers and i pick a pin release it's my 60 instead of my 40 and i shoot over the elk's back he's gone and at that point in time, we call in another bull that I then shoot real high in the shoulder, and it's just a really, really, really sad evening. And I miss the bull of a lifetime, the bull of a couple lifetimes probably. I don't know what this thing would score. Uh, after watching the footage and evaluating him for hours of my life and dreaming about it and waking up and thinking about it, um, he's probably well over 350. So just an absolute stud. And uh, you mentioned – that that sight was the opposite of what I do now. I now shoot a vertical pin that has one main pin and then a, a one in the same stack. So it's just two pins, but there's only one thing in your sight picture, really open sight picture so I can have no confusion or anything about what pin is what. Because on that sight, both of those pins were yellow. And in the heat of the moment, I just picked the bottom yellow one mm-hmm. instead of the top yellow one on accident. So that was... Uh, between that and just learning how to hunt elk a little bit better, that's just kind of what I've changed since then. That was a rough day, dude. It was tough. It was awesome. Best day of elk hunting of my life and yep. also really, really heartbreaking. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. You can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code, the code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. 
At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Lately, I've been telling you guys about Land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, hanging out with family you want. Land could be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. the trip was very tough yes because you just like there were days you just sit there and wouldn't mm-hmm. hear hardly anything you're like what did we do to ourselves you mm-hmm. know yep tough tough day um so you know same uh same year same state as i just talked about iowa 2019 uh kc and i had had done our trip it was a week-long trip ended on halloween um had some technical dif- difficulties on the way back and um I mean, we're just broke as it gets. KC's got to go to work, and I have this tag that I need to go hunt on. So we had to uh, – or I, I had back up there uh, probably like the 14th or something like that. I can't remember exactly when now um, of November. So after like what you traditionally think of as the heat of the rut or the heart of the rut, um, however you want to say it, and I end up um, sleeping in the back of a truck in a Casey's parking lot and just <laughs> – you know, poor boy in it big time up there. I'm working hard because this is, you know, that's what you do when you have a great tag. I'm going in a mile and a half in the middle in the dark and slipping down these like creeks and banging the, I banged the bow off my head one morning. Like things are I just, forgot about that. oh dude, I was just struggling <laughs> mentally, you know, with, I mean, physically it was hard, but then that weighs on your mentality because you're physically tired and you just have a bad attitude when you're tired. I mean, mm-hmm. ask my kids, but, um, Anyway, way I um I go in one morning. This is probably the th- maybe the third morning or second morning that I hunted, and I'm gonna hunt a ridge. I don't know how to hunt ridges. I grew up in you know basically Gulf Coast Plains, right? 
Um, so I got some ideas after listening to some podcasts, talking to a bunch of people that I know, and then just generally hunting deer and, and knowing what deer like to do. I put some ideas together on this ridge. I get in there in the dark. I kind of bust a deer in the dark. I saw his eyes or whatever, her eyes. And um, Anyway, so I get up on top of this ridge. I'm like, do I hunt the top? Do I hunt what they call the military crest or whatever? And I end up finding out that <laughs> there are a couple of like secondary drainages that come off the top and, and drain down into this big riverbed system, right? And so to me, those little draws are things that deer don't really want to go up and down in. So I, I kind of hunt the top of that draw. That one is the one especially, right? But there's a couple of them and they kind of happen to be on the same elevation line. So I'm like, I'm going to hunt right on the top and I'm not exactly up on top, but I'm very, very close to the very top of the ridge, right? And I can, so I, once I get up in a tree, I can see all the ridge, you know, almost to, pretty much to where it starts to bail off to the other side. So I can see the top of the ridge. Well, I'm sitting there pretty early on, and I think I might have already seen a doe, um, and I hear uh, something walking in the leaves. And it's, to my surprise, it was a buck, but pretty far away. Like, I, I think he was still, I mean, he probably was still like 80 yards or more and i was surprised i could hear him you know it was just a weird thing where the leaves traveled down there to me right um, i've got the wind he's walking down this ridge towards me and i'm like oh this is good i get the camera on i get it pointed in a direction zoomed in a little bit i'm like right there's 20 about 20 yards and i'm gonna point the camera there so i get it set up uh i range yep that's 20 and i get ready he, he comes into the into the frame and he getting ready to stop in the hole right there and I, I'm fixing to draw back and I get ready to draw back and this deer uh stops in my lane and I'm like oh that's great no lie you can see it it's on video the camera I had a pretty heavy I've got a pretty heavy lens on it the 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 fluid head that holds the camera mm -hmm. in its spot just kind of gave I don't know you know I just didn't turn it tight enough I guess and it just goes whoom, nose down straight towards the ground and i'm like oh my goodness so he stopped at 20 yards and it's it's just freaking me out you know so i get the camera back and i'm like oh i get it kind of straightened back up and about the time i get it back on him he starts he turns and starts walking right at me from 20 yards and i'm like this ain't good you know uh it could be good you never know but he's just he's just doing his thing his thing is cruising up on top of this ridge so i get ready to uh to uh you know draw back on him and he's he's getting to the point where he ends up just walking through my frame he's getting so close right and uh i can't remember if this is on video or not but i i can see it in my mind he basically gets like within five yards or so and then looks at the tree and kind of gets like this puzzled look all of a sudden you know and then uh follows the tree up slowly and and looks right at me in the tree and I, I'm like about to put pressure. I, mean, I got pressure on the string, you know what I mean? And uh, then he just boom, turns, flips, bolts off, goes over the ridge, and I'm crushed because it's like day ten uh, of Iowa hunting after the seven or eight days before and the two or three days we've got in this trip, right? And and I, I literally have no money, y'all. I have no money, <laughs> and I'm just mm. I'm just so sad. I didn't get it done, you know, right there, and it should have been. So essentially. Um, what I figured out, and this is, this is the mistake. And then what I learned from it, and it's pretty obvious is that deer was coming at my tree and I ended up going up this tree from the uphill side because it made it easier to get higher. Right. 
So instead of putting my sticks on the downhill side and going up and not being quite as high, I gained a little extra footage from going on the uphill side. Well, the thing is, those deer are going to cruise and, you know, essentially the downhill side is the side that I had protected and I had the wind blowing to and everything because the draws that came up it, you know, kept me protected that direction, but I didn't put my sticks on that side. I have black, muddy pro sticks. I haven't done any camo taping to them or anything, right? I can I can look back and I almost guarantee you that that deer saw that bottom step and then just was like, that's a weird shape in the woods, right? Looked up and followed those sticks all the way up to me, and now there's a giant, you know. Uh, snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus <laughs> up in this tree. <laughs> and uh, so the, the lesson <laughs> is that now I, I almost, I mean, I'm very conscious about putting my sticks on what I perceive to be the correct side of the tree uh, that deer are not going to approach from. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a tough go of it, but that got a little bit better. It did. But we're not talking about the good stuff. No, no good stuff today, only bad. (laughs) So, uh, same year. 2019 was a tough year. Uh You know, quite honestly, uh, I'm thankful that the element made it through 2019. Yeah, me too. uh, Because uh, we just had just a bunch of bad stuff go down. Mm. And we had a lot of pep talks, a lot of like, uh, hey, what are we going to do because of this? And this is one of those situations. I... uh, was pushing way late in the season that year in Kansas. I uh, had permission on a really nice piece of ground, yeah. and uh, there were some big deer around. I'd messed up a couple opportunities at some bigger bucks, or just had them just not go my way, and um, was found myself where I really don't like to be, and that is hunting deer in December uh, up north. Because it's cold and <laughs> lonely. Uh, lonely. You're Gray. on the plains by yourself. <laughs> and uh, there's just um, not a lot going on. You know, like in Texas, you can always just still feel pretty good about December, at least uh, for a little bit. Like there's going to be some road action or something, you know. But at that point in time, there literally is hardly any deer on the landscape. Who knows where they go? And then they're just like only coming out right at last light to go get something to eat. And that's what I was doing. It's dead calm because that's also what happens late in the year. Uh, if you've, if you've hunted December on the plains, you know, it's like windy in the day. And all of a sudden, like at five, the wind just quits and you can't like just move your finger without scaring a deer. Right. So Mm -hmm. I had one of those situations going on. I had a really great setup, uh, where I would come in, and just drop off the side of this bluff and climb a tree right there. So, like, it's just the perfect approach to this to this setup. And I had corn out here and had a lot of deer coming to it, pretty good trail camera pictures. Um, went in for an evening hunt, and uh, I was kind of, like, going about near shoot anything. And this, like, um, pretty nice eight-point <coughs> comes in. It's two or three-year-old. I don't know. It's late in the year. I, I don't have any meat in the freezer because I missed that giant elk. Uh, so I'm trying to shoot something, right? Well – Excuse me. Well, uh, this deer pops his head around the end of the bluff, and I see him out there like 100 yards. I'm like, okay, it's about to go down. So I get ready, and I just have this idealized thing about I'm going to shoot him when he gets to the food because he's going to be relaxed. So I let this deer walk right underneath my stand at like 12 yards, and I film him and everything. I got my bow in my hand, and I just let him get over there to the food. Well, lo and behold, it's so quiet that he just – just knows I'm there pretty much. Like, I go to kind of trying to move around. He looks at me, and he just goes back to eating. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I was trying to draw my bow. He looks at me. I got my bow drawn. And I'm thinking, I'm fine. 30 yards, whatever. Set on my pin. Shoot. He drops. I hit him high on the shoulder. 
and he runs off like 100 yards and just looking around. And that's never really a good thing whenever that deer's got an air in it and he's just like, whatever, What's I don't know what's going on. But um, I don't get another shot at the deer. He jumps the, the uh, fence and seems like he's gone. Well, I get down, run up the hill, try to get some footage of this deer, and sure enough, I, I do. I can see the buck. Uh, he's like 400 yards from where I shot him. And he's not dead. He's just standing around, looking around. Uh, gave him all night and uh, didn't like that very much. It was an, one a very fun evening. And um, me and a buddy went out there the next day trying to find the deer. And we found like one little spot of blood. And then we found a bunch, we found a dead deer carcass, but you couldn't see. There's just like hair and a little bit of stomach content. So I don't know if that was him or not, but either way, I didn't recover the deer. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was uh it was kind of a a pretty heavy blow for me at that point in my life um i had a pregnant wife at home you know like all this kind of stuff like am i even pursuing a pursuit that i need to be after you know and um had to had to do some soul searching on that deal and as y'all know um we are where we're at right now um but uh in that situation i learned quite a bit i learned that uh you don't shoot an alert deer, and if you do, you need to account for it because I just put it where you'd shoot a deer and mm-hmm. shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he dropped, and I hit him high in the shoulder. Uh, I was also shooting a really heavy arrow with a fixed blade, and I don't know how confident I was with that at that late in the season because you just don't end up shooting your bow as much as you should late in the year. Uh, so, like, there's a lot of considerations to that. And really, what I learned, and it sounds like that you learned too, is that self-filming is hard. If you want to not kill deer, Mm self-film. And uh, it's actually something that we kind of addressed after all. Because really, if I hadn't had the camera, I'd have shot that deer 12 yards. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get footage of him, you Mm -hmm. know. And so, like, uh, going forward, that's something that we addressed a lot. You know, we got a lot of guys that go with us and film our hunts now. So, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. But, yep, that's how that went. That's – that was a big – it was a big change for us. We actually, uh, you know, opened up – the uh, idea of having an intern to help us with the camera stuff next year and that kind of thing right but it didn't really work out and um but it was it was the idea that we had mm-hmm. and we've kind of pursued and in 2021 you know Eric has been a big help since then um you know for for me 20 and 21 went well mm-hmm. for me and so um I, I'm basically skipping those years. You want me to do my 2020 thing that I have? Yeah, then? I think okay. so. Because 20, see, in 2020, I had the best year I've ever had. Oh, you were and just I didn't, hammer time. I didn't have any, like, I mean, like, obviously, you're going to have some mess ups, but, like, I didn't have any, like, oh, I missed the deer, shot the deer, or whatever. Like, I pretty much, everything I pursued just about, mm-hmm. I was, I was getting it done. And obviously, I'm not, I'm not, uh, trying to lift myself up here at all. I'm just saying that's the way it went. 21. Mm-hmm very similar thing i had i shot five deer in 20 and four in 21 and you know things were good and then i decided to get knocked down this year a little <laughs> bit more so or the lord decided i needed to maybe but uh you you had some you have something in between there yeah huh? in 2020 uh i was still filming on the ground you went with the camera guy because you were going to film in a tree uh and <clears> we just <throat> thought it was a better situation so that's what we did um I learned a lot on this hunt because I'm on the ground in Plain State. Uh, it's uh, early October, which is like kind of just bed to food, which is exactly what I was hunting. It was just awesome. We'd been setting up kind of like, uh, you know, 
playing the short game, just waiting on the day for this uh, spot to open up wind direction-wise. We actually waited like five days to mm-hmm. go hunt. We knew we were going to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we both – this is the same night that Tyler shot this deer. Yeah. Right here. Toad. Yeah. Toad if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, oh, I, <laughs> I, I, that deer actually meant, means a lot to me. That's a cool It's crazy bug, to man. think about, but like – it is a cool buck, but it, but really the experience and and that evening, mm-hmm. the whole thing put together, just being out there under the stars in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. with like no sound, no wind, it was just an amazing night. That's a cool man. place, man. I hope yep. we get to go back there someday. Yeah. Well, I because uh, I have unfinished business. Yeah. Um, I'm set up in this little clump of plum trees in the middle of a hay field that has like a little bit of old alfalfa, but there's some real good alfalfa up the hill that all the deer just start filtering to. I mean, early. I had deer on me like probably like 5 o'clock, and it don't get dark till 7.30 or 8 or I don't even remember, right? Like early, early I had deer on me. And uh, finally, after some younger bucks and some does filter by, uh, it's getting kind of late. It's after sunset. I see, like, a big rack pop up over the hill. And I can only see, like, 60 or 80 yards from where I'm set up. It's one of those deals where it's the right spot to kill from, but it ain't a great hunting spot, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've got my camera strapped to, like, six of those little plum bushes all pulled up together. And it's kind of helping me have a couple shooting lanes in there. Well, this deer, I can see his trajectory. He's like a big eight-point with tall brows, uh, like a Pope and Young type deer, you know, like w- might have been at that point in my life the biggest deer I'd ever shoot. Uh, so I was like stoked, right? And something about big brow tines, they get me going real quick. Mm-hmm. I see those big brows, I'm like, oh, that's a giant buck. Oh, you this know? is the coolest buck, yeah, dude. I was stoked. <clears throat> and he's like skyline. It's just beautiful, picturesque, right? And But I know that this deer is not going to come any closer than me than maybe like 50 or 60 yards, and I'm not ready to take that shot. So I get out my grunt call. Early October, grunt at this deer. He responds right away. He knows that I'm over there, and he's starting to kind of circle around trying to get the wind from where I'm at, but he's not going to make it to the wind before I get a shot. Uh, I kind of get ready, get in position, get my camera right in the gap, ready to go. I draw my bow. He comes into the gap. I actually adjust the camera with my bow a little bit, kind of a weird (laughs) thing to do, right? But, again – my focus was taken off of exactly what I needed to be doing. What I do, a deer was like, he's probably 20 yards, right? He was close. Tyler's looking, watching all this from a hill, like a mm-hmm. uh, quarter mile away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. We were already, we had already shot, got out of the tree, yeah. packed up, and we were sitting on a hill just watching what he was looking at, you know? Yeah, it was weird. And mm-hmm. uh, I just put my uh, pin where I thought it needed to be and shot my bow 20 yards, you know, like the deer's not going to move very much. Well, he moved a little bit. It wasn't a ton, but somehow, some way, I just ended up hammering this deer right in the front knuckle, just the worst place. Like I was shooting the heaviest setup I've probably ever shot. Maybe I don't. It was 587 grains with a <clears throat> cut-on contact broadhead, like a really heavy setup, like the thing you're supposed to shoot to be able to, you know, overcome that. Which I guess you could always go heavier, right? Whatever. Uh, either way, I was just astounded as what at what happened. No penetration. Deer wheels out, runs off. I'm kind of like, don't know what to do. I'm a little bit freaking out because, like, I pulled it off. But at the same time, he's not lying there dead. And I I didn't know much at that point in time. But I knew that, you know, I don't know if we're going to find this deer or not, you know. And uh, y'all are kind of freaking out because you see him run off like crazy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I shot. And, uh, yeah, ends up uh, we let him sit overnight. We go in the next morning, don't find any blood. 
and end up bumping him, and I see him healthy. He's, like, kind of running around uh, down in this draw and then, like, runs out across to a different property. So he survived that. He probably got shot with a rifle, but uh, <laughs> he, he made it through that <laughs> encounter. And uh, what did I learn really from that, though? I think it was um, that I needed to uh, really hone in on aiming and understand – because I was doing, like, left to right, if you can imagine aiming on a deer. Like, body-wise, I knew where the vitals were, but I wasn't aiming low enough on deer, mm-hmm. I don't think. I think I learned I needed to be aiming lower on deer, and that was something I really learned from that. And then it just, too, like, what to do with an alert deer and how to take a shot and, and to not rush things. Because, honestly, that deer was looking right at me when everything happened. And, and I think there's this thing that deer do that people don't realize, and that's – when they are at alert and have you pinned, it's different than when they're at alert and they're looking in front of them. Because they'll always, if they're like this and they're thinking about spooking, they'll look in front of them for a second and think about what they're going to do. And that, I think, is when you should shoot. Because that deer, he didn't hear my bow, I mean, because it's so close, whatever, but he still saw it before the arrow uh, hit him, right? Mm-hmm. He Like, the motion of you shooting your bow is the first thing that a deer can perceive, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, he's just looking right down the barrel. I think that was could have contributed to it. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. You can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. Comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. You just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit 
O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Lately, I've been telling you guys about land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, hanging out with family you want. Land can be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Uh, that kind of continues from your last story a little bit and, and with the whole like, you know, pivotal time for you and everything. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you were like, you're getting a little bit weary with the bow hunting thing a little bit. You're like, man, yeah. I don't even know if I should be doing <laughs> That's right. this. I remember we had that talk then, on the way home. Yeah. If I should be a bow hunter or not. And then November came and Casey had one of the coolest things ever happen, but we can't talk about it because we're not talking about the good ones, you know? So <laughs> y'all right. just had to go back and watch some of the stuff that happened in 2020 and, uh, came out whenever it came out. But, uh, anyway, so as I talked about 21 or 20 and 21 were really good for me. Um, and then I got to this year, and it it was really close to being, uh, you know, right there at the top best year ever as far as just successes and everything, and just like completing in in, in what I was trying to do, right? But uh, it ended up being one of uh, it was a rough year, uh, you know, from that standpoint, and it was also just a tough year for me, like in in my life as well. Um, just had some things happen that just were not very fun to go through during deer season. But uh, anyway, so if you've watched Buck Truck, you have seen, you've probably seen this, but if you watch the South Dakota Buck Truck, you definitely have seen this. In South Dakota this year, um, <clears throat> I we got there like a day early before the season started. And uh, I guess long story short, by day two, I am looking in the morning at a buck that is in some of the thickest, nastiest willow stuff I've ever seen getting ready to bed up. And we bet him, which we didn't really know exactly where he bedded. We just lost sight of him, and we knew he hadn't come out of there, right? So we had an idea within probably a, an acre or so where he was bedded. Well, <clears throat> I also plan, you know, this tree is the way to, to, to get him if we can get him tonight. He's going to come out this way. He's going to head, you know, this direction, potentially get a drink here, and then potentially go to food here. So uh, Eric and I head in that afternoon. We went back and got lunch, come back, head in that afternoon, get in there, you know, nice and early, and uh, and so we can kind of make sure everything's good. Never been in this spot ever. Um, I was glassing from a long, long ways, a different direction, a long ways away or whatever. But so we go in there, I had all this stuff plotted on Onyx and, um, 
we get to the tree that I want to get in, and it, and just, just sure enough, like I thought there would be, I couldn't tell for sure from the maps, but I thought there would be water in this low spot, and there was a little bit there. And that made me really pumped because I think I, I'd seen a deer go that direction and dive off in this little low spot the day before, but I didn't know for sure there was water in there. Sure enough was, I'm pumped. We're going to get in this tree. I'm going to have a shot at this water hole right here and up on top where I expect deer might be coming uh you know, this buck especially would be coming and potentially if he misses or doesn't go to water, he at least comes by me and I get a shot at him before he goes to feed that night. So with that in mind, this tree is about the only tree that's going to hold the both of us, but it's a willow tree and willow trees get gnarly and the, the bark is like loud. So we're going up as quiet as possible. I've got the, you know, some super lightweight sticks that want to, uh, you know, kind of lift off the tree a little bit um, because of the bark being kind of just spongy and big and everything. So it's just a loud setup, but we're being as quiet as possible. We get up in there, and the best thing I can do is still a very awkward position, and I'm holding myself with my left leg the whole time to so that I can see the right direction, and I'm, and I'm want, it's wanting to swing me around in that saddle and not give me the best opportunity. So I'm kind of holding myself awkwardly and to, to get this view back this way and get the shot and everything. Well, we have a doe come by. She she gets weird because our wind is blowing at the trail that I'm going to be shooting at. Just but it's gonna the deer's gonna give me a shot before he gets my wind, right? Well, the doe gets her wind instead of continuing on. She goes back into the cover, and I was like, man, that might have messed the whole thing up because there's not a whole lot of cover back in there. And um, it wasn't hardly ten minutes later, probably. I I'm looking around and I'm like. I think that's a rack right there. I pull my binos up, and oh, yeah, he's coming. He's like 70 yards away, coming through thick, thick willows. And I tell Eric, and and uh, he finally gets the camera on him, and, um, you know, I'm ready or whatever. He's, he's coming just right down the pipe, and I think he might dip down in this water. Well, he doesn't. He just kind of carries on. So I had drawn back when he was like at 30 and went behind a big willow. And so I'm following him. And uh, I just like I, I I'm on his shoulder. I mean he's a he's a no doubt shooter for me in this place and that on this he's at this a time. Deer. He's a nice nice eight point. And uh, he comes walking down this trail. And I'm just following him through my peep side and sight housing and everything. And he's getting kind of where it's like, man, he could get my wind at any point here. I need to kind of get this thing off, right? Well, he's so close that I can't even see his full body in my sight picture for whatever reason. I can just remember seeing it just his shoulder, right? And so I feel like I'm in the pocket. At least when I first kind of like close my left eye and dial in, I feel like I'm in the pocket, you know. And I'm following him, and he's going through these willows. And these willows are like more and thicker than I thought they would be probably, you know. And so he's kind of disappearing here and there just for split seconds, and I'm just tracking, tracking, and tracking. And finally, it gets to the point where he's so – he's like 10 or 12 yards probably, so close. I've shot, I've shot two deer at 15 yards on the walk and smoked them both. I mean, just watched them fall. So I feel confident in this, you know. Putting a putting about a maybe a six inch lead on the spot that I want to hit, you know, and uh, so I pull the trigger, and I am shocked, but the the arrow hits front knuckle and doesn't go in at all, mm. and I just got the sick feeling all of a sudden, just anxiety falling out and everything. I want to throw up, I want to pass out, like just I know it's a bad situation. We are more than likely not going to find this deer. I mean, nearly a hundred percent. I felt like. Um, but long story short, we didn't find him. We, 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 uh, could never locate this buck and, and, uh, you know, finish him out. The blood was not good at all. 
I had like a one little section that we kind of got excited about, and that was about it. We were following tracks pretty much, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, it was a it was a big blow because it was day two of like a seven day hunt, and I felt kind of like the deer was gonna live. But when you do stuff that you put on video, sometimes you have to kind of try to have a little different perspective, I guess, uh, and just you know, make people not hate you so bad at least. <laughs> and, uh, I, so I decided to eat my tag, not a fun thing. I became a bird, a bird hunter at that point. Yeah. That's um, a tough one because we're up there for so long. You just, we're so far from home. You just yeah, can't do anything. Just, yeah. I and mean, I had fun bird hunting and stuff and scouting with y'all and helping out and stuff, but hey, it led know. to me like directly led to me. shooting a deer. <laughs> well, I, I try hard to just yeah. like go, okay, well, how would I do this and kill one and then give all my information to KC. And so, well, thank you. Well, Sorry it went that bad for you. On it was, deal. it was not fun. You know, the, the lesson I learned, um, is that I probably in that situation with the willows, I think if I'd have had a clear shot, I'd have probably just shot him on the walk, but I think with the willows, I should have tried to stop him. And I think that I was afraid to stop him. I know I was because I thought the grunt would spook him. And I've done that before. Actually, we're staring at a place right now out the window <laughs> that I've spooked a buck with a grunt. So what I should have done is this is an idea that KC gave me is this. Give me the old sniff, sniff. Dude, that yeah, you it'll lock a deer up. That Practice sound. It. Try it's, it. it, it is. Next time yeah. you round does or whatever. Yeah. yeah, just a sniff. It's a frequency. I think that has. It's similar to like a leaf or stick popping or something like that. It's a higher frequency, sits in that same range. I think that there's something to it, but I've tried it because I've had stuffy noses over the years, you know, so I've tried it. It, <laughs> it works. It will make a, it will make a doe pull her head up from a feeder every time, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And they perceive it at a very low level. Yeah. So it's not so much like a, a big sound that all of a sudden just hits them in the side of the head and they decide to take off, you know, so that's my that's my solution. That sounds like it worked to me. Let me give you my last one because I can see yours over here is a good learning point. So I want I want to. This is not. I feel like I'm. I just don't learn very well. So uh, <laughs> in 2022, I was hunting some Texas public, and uh, the deer whereabouts? That's a good question, Tyler. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, the, over yonder, uh, the deer uh, in that area were actually really responsive to uh, calling which was really cool. It was like a late October, like they're getting all their stuff worked out between the bucks, you know, so rattling and, and grunting worked really well. And uh, I've been hunting this place uh, quite a bit and uh, had a spot that I felt like was like a really good travel corridor. Uh, had some bedding to the south and some food to the north. Um, and uh, sure enough, I was rattling that morning, rattling a tiny buck, uh, and then – like on the third sequence, rattling a really nice buck from a direction I didn't expect him to come. It was like a little bit, um, he's coming from the north, but he was like northeast, and I expected deer to come from the west-northwest. So out of position off the bat, right? Greg and I are both in the tree. So Greg is like directly to my north, and my plan is to shoot deer as they come by us, right? Well, we rattle in this deer, and he's coming to the base of the tree because deer are way better at this than we are. Mm-hmm. Like, they know where that sound came from. Well, this deer ends up getting too close, so close that I can't shoot him. He's, like, at 14 yards through Greg, and I cannot see the deer. I'm all out of position. My my tether is, you know, coming down to my bridge right here. I have my bow on this side. I have a tree, tether, and a Greg, and a deer's on the other side of us. So, no shot. And I'm, like, crying, right, because, dude – 
I haven't shot anything besides a meat buck on Texas public land. You know, <laughs> like I really want to shoot a public land buck really, really bad in Texas. Um, and uh, this is like my opportunity. Rattling a really nice, you know, this doesn't happen often. But like this deer was like uh, not questionable on width. Mm-hmm. Like he was for sure wide enough. Yeah. You know, like, oh, awesome. It's a good feeling. I'm so glad he's behind Nothing my worse friend. than just killing one stone dead <laughs> and being like, I don't know, I man. hope he's digging <laughs> up. Yeah. And that's why we don't shoot a lot of them, right? Because you just never know because yeah. um, they're just tiny here. But anyways, uh, finally, the deer gets weird and kind of like half spooks and goes out and I grunt stop him and I get over my bridge and I'm doing the whole hangout like a monkey from the tree like this. And he's at uh, 32 yards or something like that. I can't remember. I would kind of – I didn't range him, but I had ranged the area. So, I had a really good uh, idea of how far he was. And uh, he's quartering away. I mean, it was perfect. He was on you – know, Greg had him on film. Like, things were good. I was like, this thing's dead to rights. So I'm like, I was like in the moment thinking about the Mexican food. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like done. Mm-hmm. Squeeze the trigger. Pew, right over his back. He's gone. What on earth happened? <laughs> I still, to this day, don't know what happened. But all I can figure is that I was contorted in a way that I may, might not have checked my bubble. I usually check my bubble just, like, instinctively. So I don't know if I did or not. You know, like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But all I can figure is that I, I was just out of position. And through the whole thing, I was out of position. Out of position in the hunt for that deer and out of position on the shot. So now I think that... um I'm going to um, – it's it's hard to, like, change that, but I'm going to be more aware of being out of position. And, and uh, I guess you might even say forcing shots, right? Mm. Like, um, they don't all have to die. I want them to bad, Dude, I'm bad, bad, you. bad. And, and that's the that's like the killer thing that I, I believe I have, right? It's just how you are. If you're that kind of person, you're just going to do what it takes, right? But I do think that, like, I'm going to do my best to give a more – uh, conscious effort into making sure that everything is is right for the mm-hmm. shot yeah well so this last story that i have is in the same way something that i i focused on this year and what you're saying with trying to you know what what you in your case you miss a deer clean mm-hmm. but if you don't it makes for like a not fun 24 hours mm-hmm. a lot of times you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's what happened in south dakota we, we just worked hard to try to find that deer just couldn't. Um, now in this in this situation, it made for a not fun several hours, but um, you'll 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 get the idea here in a second. So, same year, this past year, this footage uh, just we decided that at least for right now that uh, we would withhold this. Um, it's but an incomplete story. At the it's moment. an incomplete story essentially. So I'm going to try to complete it this year. <laughs> I think there's a chance, man. Um, so essentially. Uh, I go way deep into this place one morning with my good buddy, Michael, Mustache Michael. And um, he's my, he's running the camera for me, and uh, we made some good moves. And we also made a couple moves that just weren't great. Um, like uh, I left a quiver on the ground in a spot. <laughs> and uh, I can't even remember how the whole thing went now. I've told this story before on the podcast. But essentially there's a rut fest going on in the middle of nowhere out in the grass. And um, – we worked around this this ridge finger, and I'm coming down the side of it because I think these deer are going to work downhill a little bit. And so I'm coming down the side of it, and all of a sudden, I just like I got this two dimensional decoy, and I just see a spike all of a sudden, and I just like drop to the ground and put the two dimensional de- decoy up, 
and like he is super alert but never ran off right mm -hmm. just too much going on for this spike you know <laughs> and uh and i'm like dad gum it you know I, I got caught bad and you know michael's right behind me he starts videoing and uh all of a sudden like a couple like maybe two minutes later maybe not even that long a doe runs out from behind this like you know finger this ridge right here that we're sitting beside right in front of the spike and the spike kind of busts out too and I'm like, oh, no. And so and Michael's filming it. Dude, all of a sudden, Toad Daddy walks out, or not walks out, but kind of jogs out behind mm -hmm. that doe. And so I put the decoy straight down. He wasn't looking at me. He's looking at this doe. He's perpendicular, you know, basically broadside to me at the time. And uh, I get kind of squared over real quick, and I grab my, my rangefinder. And, you know, I, like, put it up. I'm like, you on him? He's like, yeah. I range him. And it says 47, or did it say 48? Do you remember? I don't remember either. 47 or 48. It was a long 40s shot. And uh, I was like, oh, I got this all day. I got a 40-yard pin. I'm going to hold just a touch high. And um, so I go um, get ready to full draw, and he looks at me. And so I go just a quiet – it was quiet down in there. And so I did a quiet snort wheeze as I drew back. And he um, uh, didn't really do anything when I drew back. And I – I took my time. I legit said, you know, like, hey, let's not force this. I don't want to make a bad shot out here in the, you know, literally a mile and a half back into this stuff. I don't want to do it. So I don't want to be chasing this deer. Well, I ended up chasing him. But hmm. uh, it wasn't because I didn't take an extra second. And really the pin was locked. And I shoot. And it is looking good, y'all. It's going. And it, <laughs> it was going. <laughs> and it uh, ends up. Of course, not quite making it to him. It goes right under his brisket and just barely clips the back of his uh, tricep, essentially, I guess, you know, just barely clips it. And um, he uh, just mule kicks beautiful. Footage is incredible. It's a he's, He would have been the second biggest deer I shot this year. No, probably third. I don't know. He was pretty big. If he'd have, if he, I mean, he was comparable to the Nebraska buck that I shot, but probably a little heavier. Mm -hmm. And his G3s were maybe a little bigger too, but Dude, he didn't have the ninth point. The footage is throw up good. Oh, it's so good. It's <laughs> like, you don't know how bad I'd love for y'all to see this footage, but we just haven't completed the story yet. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to, uh, I'm going to go back in there after him again this year, hopefully. Woo. But, um, anyway, so I, I hit him and, um, it was just low, and I, I, I really felt great about it. I was really kind of shocked and also had the same, like, throw-up feeling that, you know, I had in South Dakota. <laughs> well, um, so anyway, I, I tried to get back on him, and we ended up uh, searching for him for a couple hours. I searched every canyon I could get to. We walked probably several miles. I, I think we walked over four miles that morning, which is, you know, quite a lot. And uh, especially that time of the season, it's like mid-November, I was probably, you know, starting to put weight back on and um anyway never never could find it ever jump him out of a canyon or anything and it just was uh not you know it was it was a sad day for me you know but I, I guess the lesson that I really learned uh was when I got back home that week and we went down to our local bow shop and um I don't know what I was doing exactly but uh maybe I was going to just shoot it through paper and make sure it was good or whatever well, my friend Brett comes up to me and he goes, man, your bow is like way out. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't know what he said, how much it was out, but he, he told me it was, uh, it was pulling 67 pounds. It's, it was pulling 71 the last time I left the bow shop. 
So it's pulling four pounds less. Less. And I almost did the Yankee thing there. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, acro- across. Um, no, Open. I, uh, there's people mad at me right now, so I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I I was pulling four pounds less, and uh, I just thought, man, that's the difference. I mean, if y'all could see the footage, it it's so close to the brisket, it's not even funny. And I mean, if I was probably two and a half maybe three inches up i'm for sure that deer's dying inside you know what i mean Dude, yeah and um i'm just thinking about it and i'm like man i don't have a whole lot of time in the season with as much as we travel but i just need to it's like part of the deal like i need to make sure that my bow before i go after i come back is shooting like it like it is like it like i, mm-hmm. I need it to you know for for my sake but also for the deer's sake you know just to make sure i'm making great shots on deer that you know, I've practiced for. Yeah, so. it's a good point, man. And I think that uh, we can take some measures to make it happen. And I think maybe we just need to be a little bit more intentional with some things. And, and that's just kind of how this goes. We got to yeah. learn uh, every year. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not learning, you're dying. You know, like mm-hmm. you just you are not making any ground up. So uh, appreciate y'all sticking with us through this. Hopefully, you can learn from our mistakes. And you're going to make your own, mm-hmm. but maybe they'll at least be different than this, and you'll get a lot better, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we will. Make sure and include all of these hunts in the description uh, through some links so you can go look at this uh, stuff on YouTube, see how dumb we are, and (laughs) then maybe be able to do better than us. But we appreciate y'all. We appreciate your support through the years, through all of our dumb mistakes. And remember, this is your element. Live in it. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory, relentless performance for your firearms. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space 